Titus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the Helming Power Hour. <laughs> Welcome back to another fun-filled spectacle episode, which is known as the Helming Power Hour. And just like always, I've got my partner in crime, Mr. Danny Bennett. What's happening, brother? Hey, it's just another beautiful morning here in uh, wherever I am. (laughs) You don't know where you are? Half the time. Half the time? Yeah, the other half the time, I'm pretty aware. 68% of the time, it works every time. Along with Danny Bennett, we got a special guest. We're going to go ahead and bring him on so he can enjoy the festivities, I guess if you want to call it that. But we have from Kiss the Goat and the new show, The Food Chain, both great shows from the Legion family, of course, is our very own Jeffrey X. Martin. What's happening, man? Not much. Glad to be here. It's also a beautiful morning here and wherever I am. I'm in Knoxville. (laughs) I know where I am. Spoiler alert. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> hey, we're all in Tennessee. That's right. Yeah. Boy, y'all better watch out. There's going to be a lot of slang thrown in here. <laughs> as we go through the show, I'm sure my accent will get thicker as I become <laughs> more acclimated to where yeah. I'm at. Most of the time, in order to have an accent, I have to either chew gum or talk to a truck driver. <laughs> I, I have one in general, but it gets it gets more so when those things yeah. happen. You have a truck driver? That's what I was going to ask. Wow. Yeah, I have one in the back just for when I want to have more of a country accent. <laughs> I'm like, hey, Earl, come on over here and talk to me for a minute. Oh, it's going on, man. <laughs> so, man, this is going to be great because I love, I, love, I love this goofy movie, man. We're going to go all the way back to 1980 and talk about the incredible Battle Beyond the Stars. Man, I wore this Joker out on HBO so I'm really stoked to, to, to talk about this one. Danny hadn't been exposed to it to just a few years ago, and I actually let him watch it while we were in Texas. And he was like, you know what? This ain't too bad. I think that's what you said. Something like that. I, yeah, that sounds like me. Okay. <laughs> With, except without the trucker accent, right? Yeah, I'm not going to try that right now. But, I mean, if, <laughs> if I could go get some gum, I think there's some gum in the, in the uh, pantry. I could, I could start getting more of an accent. But I don't think that's what the people want. And we want to give the no. people what they want. See if Earl's right. got a stick of, like, Big Red. <laughs> oh, man. That dude just eats Slim Jims all the time. <laughs> and he's, got, he's got some Big Red Chew. <laughs> it's, 
He doesn't chew gum. He just chews jerky. All right. So like always to get into this, and the reason we brought Jeff on is so he can be a part of this as well. But we're going to go right into What Did You Watch? Did you watch any stuff? Oh, man. It has been a long week, and I've had lots of downtime, and now I, I didn't watch anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's great. What about you, Jeff? I watched The Void, oh, and yeah. it is incredible. It's one of those uh-huh. weird kind of Lovecraftian movies full of cosmic horror and tentacles and strange creatures and it probably doesn't make a lick of sense when it comes right down to it but it's fantastic i loved it sounds like my kind of movie right on also also if you have amazon you've got to check out a series called fortitude fortitude all right fortitude takes place in this little town up at the top of the world and things get crazy really fast Dennis quades at the second season so that's it's worth watching is that that one that's got the blue cover and christopher lambert's in it Oh, that's Fortress. That's yeah. Fortress. Fortress. Uh, not, my fault. Hell, as soon as you said it, I knew it. I was like, you got to be kidding. That's great. <laughs> Fortress. All right, man. I got to watch this movie. It came out from Jeff's and I's favorite year, 1977. Yes. And uh, it's about this guy. Uh, no, see, what is it? I can kind of remember what it was. It's about this guy named, named Big Enos. And he's got a, a partner, his, his, I think it's his son or his brother, is called Little Enos, and they're like just shelling out money to people. Is this an and, adult movie? Yeah, yeah. It's the Enoses, and uh, they're giving money to this guy that's in a car, and there's this truck involved, and they're driving down the road, and I think one of them's called the Snowman, and it's pretty good. I, I think, again, I, I may be wrong, but I think it's called Smoking the Bandit. And man, this guy—he jumps a, a a bridge that's out and just jumps over a lake in a car. You ought to check it out, man. I, I like I said, I pretty much think it's some sort of classic. Heard a little, a lot of people talking about it, so you might want to check it out. Is that the one with the dog? Sure. It's good. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how Sally Field feels about that, but you oh, know, that's cold. Oh. That's cold. <laughs> so, so that's it for. What did you watch? What did you watch? Did you watch stuff? All right, folks, we'll be right back after this. Ancient Indian Burial Grounds. Save a lot on property values now, pay dearly later. And loyal subjects of Mongo like you. Hail Ming! Alright everybody, welcome back. Can't wait to jump into the time machine and go back to 1980, which was a, a pivotable, 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 pivotable. Pivot, pivotable. Pivot. Important. 
important year. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> An important year for me, particularly. So we get to go back and talk about the Roger Corman produced classic Battle Beyond the Stars. And before we do that, you know, we, in order to take the time machine, we have to have money to take care of Super Cluck and everything that's involved with the time machine. So it's not beyond us to go out and get the cheapest sponsors we can find. And with that being said, talk about cheap. <laughs> I got nice the, segue. I, thanks. I got a big sponsor from a big sponsor from Pamela Anderson's Sculpting and Arts, where you'll love our bust. Oh, and um, I just picked up um, Matthew Tangent's brake service. A free brake check here if you can stop. <laughs> uh, this is also brought to you by a grant from the public broadcasting system. I don't know. I had something and I've, I lost it. So now. <laughs> now <just laughs> boop, cut right. right there. <laughs> oh, perfect. I've got one more. It's uh, Neil Lemoy's painting service, which uh, their their motto is "stroking to please." Oh, he didn't offer a lot of money, so his his logo came up a little short. Oh, Helming. If we're going that route, then of course this show has also been brought to you by the Willis Wheeler Health Clinic, <laughs> where they ask you how you are, and you say, "Not bad. I can't complain." Right. And then and then they send you home. Oh. And oh, as always, the local hardware store um, will make sure to uh, sponsor us with their their brand of work gloves, which is the hand job work gloves. The slogan is "It's better than nothing." <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right, man. So here we go. We got to jump into the time machine. Go back to 1980. X, strap yourself in, buddy, because it's time to go. Don't be nervous, man. We've done this a few times. We've had Ransdale in here. Okay. So don't sit where he said. Whoa! Whoa! Kind of get used to it. All right. Wow, look. 1980. That was ripping. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Look at the feathered hair. <laughs> hey, look. It's the last Starfighter over there. Is he wearing, oh, a, is he wearing a crop top? <laughs> yeah, and he's playing a video game on a front porch. All right. So to jump into this movie, of course, we have to have a synopsis. And like we said, starting last week, we're starting to let other sponsors or other shows or other podcasters to come on and do a synopsis for us. And this week is absolutely no different. <laughs> So with that being said, we have Mr. Jason Gray doing the synopsis for Battle Beyond the Stars. Take it away, Jason. Hello there, minions. This is Jason Gray, host of the brand new show, The Bloodstream. And I'm here to tell you all about the movie Battle Beyond the Stars. The movie features George Pappard, Robert Vaughn, Richard Thomas, and John Saxon. In it, they play a group of television stars representing each of the three major networks as they compete against each other in a series of games. And the winner of the games shall decide not only the fate of the Earth, but of the galaxy. Wow. It's like Battle Beyond the Stars. Uh, uh, battle Beyond the Network Stars. <laughs> got a little confused man. there. <laughs> and that was, that was precise. It was like well, in and out, man. That was good. That's Jason, man. I mean, his... And if you, if you haven't checked out his show, The Bloodstream, it's pretty fun. I think he's just released maybe a second episode. He's just checking out crappy stuff that's streaming on, you know, whatever your networks are that you're watching. And... uh well, he's digging up some... He, he's digging. Let's just leave it there. 
<laughs> so appreciate that, man. That was good. All right, Danny, I'm going to turn you loose, man. What is your number one reason to watch Battle Beyond the Stars? My number one reason to watch Battle Beyond the Stars is the Battlestar Galactica-esque battle sequences in space. Sure. Yeah, you got you got like a ship going away, and then you got a ship coming in, then you got somebody in a cockpit, then you got the choo-choo-choo-choo-choo, and then man, <laughs> Nice sound effects. <laughs> yeah. And those were actually better than the sound effects in the movie. Ooh. Ooh. Not true. Not true. They were better than that a little bit. Were you holding a model of a starship when you did that? Like, <laughs> I used to have um, a, a Cylon warship. It had these two little um, plastic yep. Red missiles. Red shot at it, yeah. And I lost them both down the, the vent grates. And we had an Where'd old like, like gas heat system. They were gone. That thing would be worth a bunch now, but thanks to you, you ruined it, see? Hey, anytime. Ironically, being that you brought up the Battlestar Galactica, there is some direct sound effect ripoff from Battlestar Galactica in this. I wanted to get a sound sample of them, but I didn't. But I mean, there, there's no denying. <laughs> it is the shots fired from, from either a Cylon ship or the, or the Colonial Vipers, but it's a distinct sound that only belongs to, Battle Be- under, uh, to Battlestar Galactica. So, surprised they didn't get sued over that, because it is, it is exactly what that is. That being said, Jeff, what's your number one reason, man? My number one reason is Robert Vaughn. Yes. Have you been hurt, injured, disabled in a cosmic battle? <laughs> then please call the Dr. Hephaestus Law Firm. Just anything he's in, he elevates, even if it's complete garbage, which this, which this is not complete garbage. But right. whatever he's in, he's just fantastic to watch. So, yeah, he's my number one reason. I was getting Lois to watch the movie with me, and I'm like, well, Robert Vaughn is it? She's like, Robert Vaughn. I'm like, you know the guy that's on those billboards when we drive through different towns that says he's a local lawyer? That guy? <laughs> I'm like, that's Robert Vaughn. Because we had talked about it before. I'm like, but why is there a picture of Robert Vaughn in this local law service? And they're all over the place. It's a picture of Robert Vaughn. And it says, like, you know, John Smith Law Services. Like, that's not John Smith. <laughs> I also love the fact that he reprises his role from the Magnificent Seven in this. Yes, Yep. It's basically instead, the same guy. Yep. Instead of Lee, he's he's guilt in this one. So, uh, I I said the exact same thing, Jeff. And this may be maybe because again we kind of share a brain or whatever. But uh, I said Robert Vaughn's acting in his spaceship because <laughs> <laughs> it just cuts to him laying there and looking at the ceiling. <laughs> and then there's like two projectors blinking behind him, and there's like sound foam all over <laughs> all over the wall. So basically, they just found an empty projection room and said, this is your spaceship. <laughs> and he just lays there and looks up. That's it. He, he doesn't do anything else. And that scene, it, it, that scene where his uh, spaceship is like in trouble and like he's going to crash or whatever, it's just like a red light and a blue light behind him. Like, oh, <laughs> Chips pulled him over. <laughs> Yeah, and there's some smoke, and the fact that he crashes and then they find him at the end, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> just, just had to bring him back, you know. And he's he's just got his face kind of mangled up a little bit, but the rest of him's fine. I'm like, dude, you just crashed a spaceship. <laughs> Continuity, folks. What you got next, Danny? Well, I'm gonna have to yeah. say that my next reason is the stellar converter. If you're going sure. to menace a whole planet, you know what's more dangerous than turning their planet into a star, I guess is what that thing did. You know, it's like, <laughs> and then like, there's a whole bunch of like, 
glittery stars and then a planet becomes a sun. <laughs> so yeah, in, in no way, form, or fashion does this movie rape, r- rip off rape. <laughs> does this movie rip off? Oh, it rapes something, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars or Battlestar Galactic? No, man, it doesn't pull from any of that that uh, that stuff at all. This is totally original. <laughs> or oh, Seven man, Samurai or Magnificent Seven. <laughs> Well, Sodor has got to has got to prove that he's got the he's got the nuts to you know bring it to your planet if they say no and they vaporize your uh, your emissary and turn him into a bag of dust. Like, right. What's this? Oh, it's our emissary. Like, oh well. I, I do want to talk about. I mean, Sodor is a bad dude because when your ship is up in space and you're shooting down, how accurate do you have to be to shoot individuals? <laughs> I mean, specifically people in a crowd. To show you you mean business. <laughs> My favorite part about the whole stellar converter thing is how he announces it to the people on Akir. I have a stellar converter. It's the most <laughs> powerful weapon in the universe. I'll be back in a week. <laughs> right. <laughs> Don't make me mad because I'm coming back. <laughs> okay, so, so yeah, so so the whole thing is, you know, Seven Samurai. It's, it's the Magnificent Seven. Yep. The guy goes off from the peaceful community to find warriors. Why did he give them seven days? Because you had to have a reason to go and gather everybody together. They thought, well, there's no way they can go do it in a day because they got to travel all through space. So let's give them a week. Well, it's like, but, but in the other ones, there's like a crop thing, right? It's like, oh, the crops won't be ready for another season, so we got a season to go get these people. I, I, I'm just, just wondering. I didn't know if there was a... I think it's just a way to give them enough time to try to gather some people together that would want to fight. Sador was going on a target run. He had to go pick up some stuff, so it was going to take him that long to get back. <laughs> well, he did go to that other planet, and he was like, I got to talk to them. So he might have given them a similar ultimatum. He, he's got several things going on at once. He's multitasking. He's got his uh, his Palm Pilot out. You know, it's telling him where to go next. And the ugliest crew in history. <laughs> Those guys are rough. Yeah. So have, have you guys seen the the new uh, ga- uh, the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie? Yes. The guy who takes over for for Yondu, whose name is Taserface. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and Rocky keeps making fun of his name. Like every one of his crew looked like Taserface, man. Right. Yep. That's very true. Mister X, what's your next reason? The score by James Horner. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. I've never heard a composer who loves his French horns quite as much as James Horner. But you can also hear, this is like the genesis of like at least three or four of his other scores for other films. So it's it's interesting to listen to that. Well, his last name is Horner. You're going to hear horns, man. That's just part of the deal. Well, then his middle name is French. James French Horner. <laughs> yes. So yeah, if you're not familiar with his work, how does the movie Titanic hold you? How about the movie Crawl? There's also one more he does called uh, Willow. S- Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. Khan! Oh, yeah. I got to sneak that in several episodes now. <laughs> nice. Well done. Well done. <laughs> yeah, he also did Willow. I mean, you think yeah. that, that whole beef would have been, you know, it's uh, George Lucas, and so they would have gotten you know, John Williams to come do it. But now they're like, bring me James Horner. I'm sure that's how that went down. <laughs> yeah. It's behind the scenes. Uh, okay, so my next reason. I gotta go with George Pappard, man, the space cowboy. Well, some yeah. people call him the space cowboy. I, I, uh, I tend to call him the gangster of love, you know. But. Uh, 
And he even has one line there where he almost says, I love it when a group pulls together and makes things happen. <laughs> he actually says something to that degree. I'm like, he almost said it. <laughs> so close. But yeah, man, he's the, he's the person that you're supposed to kind of identify with because he's from Earth, which he mentions about 20 times in the movie. Hey, I'm from Earth. You ever heard of Earth? I'm from Earth. We drink yeah, whiskey and we watch cowboy movies. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's no denying that uh, where he's from. So he drives it home, kind of the Han Solo type character that they're going for, but he's way too laid back for that and just decides, hey, instead of fighting everybody, I'm just going to drink a lot. <laughs> well, I kind of feel like like they, they were they were coming up with characters that could be in this uh, this remake of The Magnificent Seven, and they were like, uh, and a cowboy. You know, they were just done coming yeah. up with space characters. They're like, what, what if we just threw a cowboy in there? There's a bunch of cowboys in Magnificent Seven. We're just fine. Yeah, I'm sure that was that was the tie-in. <laughs> we got to have a cowboy because Magnificent Seven. You do know that the planet, Akir, was named after Akira Kurosawa. So they even kind of did a little tie-in there of, you know, yes, this is exactly <laughs> where we're pulling this stuff from. Well, and, you know, as much as we're making fun of it, it's... It was done on a budget. I think they did a good job with the special effects. It's just, you know, when you put it next to other movies that came two years before and a few years after, it, it's kind of hard to, to not notice the... I don't know yeah. if it's bad acting or, or if it's... Yeah. It's just, it's just a cheap made movie. It was made for $2 million. Right, and, and they did a lot with what they had. Right. So, uh, and we haven't even gotten into any details, but the, the director of this apparently... There's a big story behind this, but apparently he directed all the stuff in one of the movies that really bothered me as a kid, just because I'd never seen anything like that at the time. But he directed a lot of the scenes that originally weren't in Humanoids from the Deep. So you had Barbara Peters that was directing it first. They pulled her from it and then reshot all this stuff with this director, and he shot all the real good gratuitous monster rape scenes and stuff and put them in there. And that stuff scarred me for life, man. That, I mean, the first time I ever saw I didn't know what rape was, but the first time I ever, like, visually see it, it's it's these monsters. So, yeah. See, and all the rape in that movie kind of escaped me when I saw it, too. But I, to me, the greatest scene in that movie is the humanoid beating the crap out of the guy on the merry-go-round. That is so <laughs> funny. Yeah, it's great. Uh, but it's not in this movie. <laughs> nope, not at all. <laughs> Uh, who are we up to? Danny, your turn. Oh, man, I have a lot of reasons. I mean, like like I said, this movie was made on a budget. It may not be my favorite movie ever, but I, I have a love for the Seven Samurai, Magnificent Seven, um, Bugs Life template for these uh, <laughs> for these movies, right? <laughs> I tend to love it when they come around. So so for that reason, you know, I can, I can kind of give it a lot of leeway. And, you know, for the budget, I can give it a lot of leeway. They, they did a lot with what they have to work with, but... A reason I've got to watch the movie is feeding hot dogs to the uh, the communicative alien guy. So there's the there's Nestor, the the alien that all experiences the same thing at the same time, and then you've got the cowboy over here um, who's who's cooking hot dogs over the two aliens that that like their bodies burn hot. He's like cooking on my stick. He's cooking hot dogs on his stick by these these the the heat of these aliens. And, he, and of course, the, the Nestor, the, the aliens, what is that? And one of them takes a bite of the hot dog, and they all chew. 
Yeah. And then, you know, they go through the ingredients of the hot dog, and it kind of goes downhill from there. But, man, that's something <laughs> you just got to see to believe. Yep. Cooking hot dogs on some little dwarf aliens and then feeding them to another alien. You're not going to get that anywhere else, folks. Nowhere. <laughs> X, what you got? Well, Danny kind of hit on what I was going to hit on next, that this is really a low-budget film, so it's kind of like the Magnificent Seven becomes the halfway decent Seven, but (laughs) (laughs) I think one of the things that impressed me most about this movie is that between uh, Darlene Flugel and Sybil Danning, it seems like the most important scientific discovery they've made in this universe is the crimping iron. Yes. (laughs) Oh. Well, you couldn't have Sybil Danning without that. I mean, the the hair, <laughs> goodness. Yeah, I'm glad y'all noticed her hair because I I didn't really see her hair at all. So, <laughs> yes, I did make well, it up that high. I just and, saw and her that, face. And that second outfit she's got, like her hair is entirely covered by that that black skull cap thing. Yeah, again, I I didn't notice that. <laughs> I like the second outfit better. She's, yeah. an, she's obviously an Orthodox Jew. Can't fault her for that. Hey, oh. I'm converting right now. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I'm glad the camera is not on. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it, man. John Saxon. I mean, it's John Saxon. You're, John I mean, Saxon. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter what character you give him. Good guy, bad guy, over-the-top guy, not meaning much guy. You're getting John Saxon regardless. You can easily take him. And the big, the big difference here is this weird Alice Cooper style birthmark that he's got, and uh, and the Argento style lighting <laughs> that's on him everywhere he goes. It's always blue. Why is he yeah. always blue? <laughs> but uh, it's John Saxon, man. I mean, the fact that you know he gets his arm replaced by one of the Nestor's arms, and that whole scene is just gold, man. Yeah, that's it, great. So he's he's kind of a bad guy, but you're kind of like, hey man, it's John Saxon, man. Sador is pretty cool. Yeah, I bet you the hidden crowd's pretty cool too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> so that's man, my that's, reason, man. John Saxon. That's I mean, John come Saxon. On. He's great. All right, Danny, that's you. All right, we're back around to me, and I got to say, my next reason to watch it is the Cowboys' Scotch Belt. Yes. <laughs> yes. I mean, there is so much. It's just like feeding the hot dogs and cooking them over the aliens. He's got this scotch belt, right? Where he pushes a button and, and he dispenses some scotch into a cup and then some ice, like from a thing like next door. Well, we're not going to get into where the scotch comes from or anything. <laughs> we're just going to talk about the fact that it, it looks like he's drinking pee. I mean, <laughs> he puts the cup down under his belt and fills it up with a, with a yellow liquid. And then goes to town drinking that stuff. And, of course, naturally, the Archean's like, what do you have there? He's like, that's my scotch belt. And she's like, no, no, you're peeing in a cup. (laughs) That's in the director's cut. Did y'all watch the director's cut? I mean, (laughs) Yep, absolutely. All right, X, what you got, buddy? I enjoy the fact that the planet of Akir is inhabited by Richard Thomas and every member of Styx. There's at least four guys who are dead ringers for Dennis DeYoung. Just wandering around, trying not to get shot. That's an observation I did not make. (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) Well, you could tell they were coming off of the Star Wars kick, because they were all dressed in, like, robes and stuff. 
But then when they got off, they're like, well, they can't all be dressed in robes. How about some people wear like your typical space fair stuff where they've got like the silvery, you know, right. cross hatched, stitched stuff, you know. But yeah, they, they, all the Archeans were, you know, peaceful robe dwellers. Or the, or the jumpers or whatever they're wearing, too, where it's all just a one-piece pullover kind of deal. You know, you kind of get that a lot, too. So you're borrowing from all those sci-fi movies. So we can't necessarily do what they did in Star Wars. We can pull some of it, but a lot of it you're still referring back to, like, Logan's Run, stuff like that. So just a mismatch of that stuff. But that's great, man. The Tennessee thing's hilarious. But my next one is probably where most of the money went that spent on this movie. And we talked about it just a little bit while I go. But, yeah, Sybil Danning's Wardrobe. You can't help it. You're you're gonna look. You can't. I mean, there's even scenes where you're forced to look. There's one scene where she walks past the scene of what's going on, cuts in front of the camera, and it's just a big butt shot. I mean, that's what you get. Never mind who she's talking to. It's just a full. Can you imagine in a theater back in the day? And it's just a great big Sybil Danning butt shot. That's all it what? is. And I like Sybil Danning, like not just just for all that. Like her character in this is funny. She's she's like the Valkyrie. She's got the tiny ship, you know. She's counting coup and she loves battle. It's just she's kind of cute, you know. Like I, I don't know. I, I kind of thought she added something to the ensemble for sure. And of course, you have to have the character in this template who wants to be involved, but nobody wants them to be there. And that's who she ended up being, you know. The well, I'm going to come to battle. No, we don't need you, you know. Like. I, I just died. You're yeah. a girl. Right. The other girl we have isn't going to fight. Go ahead, Danny. Your turn. My next reason. The dude who works with Cayman, the lizard guy. Yes, who, the Conan who's style like, dude. Who's, who's wearing like half pants. No, that guy. <laughs> like, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's wearing chaps with underwear and a shirt that doesn't have a front. <laughs> it's like It's like he's got half a costume. Like, and just like Sybil Danning, they make sure to have that guy walk and stand in front of the camera too. They're like, "Hey, hey, so you got you Sybil Danning for the men? What about the ladies? Let's have hey, you go go stand in front of the camera. Yeah, turn around." They're like, what's up with that guy? He doesn't talk either. The whole Cayman idea is just so bizarre. I think you just felt like you had to have something like that in this movie, but his crew is nothing like him. It's like you couldn't have three or four because we can't afford enough makeup effects <laughs> to make more masks like him. So here's a random Conan dude, and who knows what this other guy is. I, I agree. I, and that was why I had the reason, because that dude, I don't know about that dude. You may not be meant to know about that dude, Danny. I'm going to do some investigation on that dude. I'm sure no. that, that somebody's <laughs> written fan fiction somewhere. Uh, It'll be canon. Sure. <laughs> X, you got anything else, man? Um, it, it's James Cameron was in charge of yep. a lot of the special effects for this movie. Yeah. I think it's interesting that, um, well, John, I just been calling him John Boy throughout the whole thing. Sure. You know, but John Boy's spaceship looks like an H.R. Giger drawing of fallopian tubes with nipples and a misshapen butt. Right. Yeah. It's it's a, a total female ship. Which I don't to- understand how it flies. <laughs> you, you know, like I I was watching this thing, this ship that's very strange, and I near the end I think I figured out what it is. Okay, so it's like a torso, right? With no legs, and and like from the shoulders come the big thrusters on the top, right? 
So like it, it's a woman laying down with no limbs. I think and that tells us a lot about Jim Cameron, actually. <laughs> and and it's made out of terracotta, obviously, because it's like <laughs> it's like this ugly brown that looks like it would turn to mud if it got wet, you know. Yeah. And also, uh, it's one of my points. I said, and also has a computer voice that sounds a lot like our very own TV's Alice. <laughs> sounds like Linda Lavin, but it's not. It's Lynn Carlin. But still, it's who it reminded me of when I was listening. It's like, well, it sounds like Alice. And and Nell is a reason to watch the movie. Nell the ship. Yeah, she's great. Absolutely. But now I have the theme from Alice in my head, and I'm. <laughs> you shot. Kind of not happy about that. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kiss my grits. Early to rise, early to bad. <laughs> Why did we watch Alice? I mean, uh, I guess it was there was good. nothing else on. <laughs> yeah, because it came on every day at like four thirty. Like I got home from school and Alice was on, yeah. and I wasn't gonna not watch TV, so right. I watched that. Well, let's see what ma- what Mel's doing today. Hey man, oh, oh, I, th- I thought you were gonna look up what Vic Tayback was up to. Is he, he still alive? Oh. No, he's dead. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. oh. Well, he was, doing, right. he was doing cartoon voices for a while in the early 90s. He was on the Batman animated series. He did a lot of the gangster voices. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It makes sense. I mean... Oh, yeah, he's got a great voice for it. And I guess I, you know, as soon as I thought about it for a minute, I was like, but that was the early 90s, and he was probably pushing, you know, the elder years at that point. He was probably pushing 70, 60 at that point. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah he's... Yeah, when he gets past Alice, I don't really know what Vic Tayback did after that. So he, he tried to like follow Telly Savalas around and see if he was gonna you know cast off any roles that he might be able to jump in on. He should have been a professional wrestler, at least a manager. <laughs> Here's what I love about this movie. This is a big point for me. Ten minutes in, and you are rolling, man. You already know what's going on, what's gonna happen. I mean, 10 minutes, you already had the planet be shot up by John Saxon, and John Boy is on a quest to pull together a team. And on the other end of that, this movie ends faster than any Argento film I've ever seen, where it's like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just like, oh yeah, those people that died, we'll remember them. Credits. (laughs) It's like, wow! I don't remember the abrupt ending on this Joker. So there you go, man. I mean, yeah. this movie is not a waste of time because it, it just flies by, literally. It knew what it was there to do, and it did it. Yeah. I mean, by the time the credits roll at the beginning, you get some people being shot by the star converter, and uh, yeah, you're you're off to the races, man. You're going to find the, the scientist who's just ahead now. Danny, what you got? My next reason to watch this is the 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 psycho DJ that they have like at the uh, at the weapon control for for uh, John Saxon. He's wearing the helmet and he's got the keyboard and he's yeah. like he's like standing way back and he's got his finger over it. He's like hitting like those two keys. And it's like shooting like but but like he's back there like making up a jam. I was surprised he didn't have like a half a headphone like to one ear. Yeah. While he was like cuz I mean this guy could have been like Danger Mouse or something. DJ Laserface. <laughs> DJ Laserface. <laughs> With his new single, Stellar Converter. Hey, you got anything else, buddy? Yeah, I got a couple more things. One of the things yeah. I really love about this movie is how you have every kind of alien imaginable. You've got Tellurians, you've got a Slee Stack, you've got the Valkyrie Hawkwoman, and twins! I just... <laughs> 
everything you could imagine in this movie. Right. That's that's a good point. <laughs> well, and to tie in with that, my my last one that I've got, but that doesn't mean anything. We'll just keep going. But yeah, the two the two twins, man. The the Kelvins. They're called the Kelvins. <laughs> well, and, Kelvin and number Dr. one <laughs> and Kelvin number two. <laughs> and just the fact that those guys, man. I mean, their weapon was just. Yeah, we can get real hot. And I love that they took the idea from the Superman, the movie, and gave them the outfits where it's basically the screen material that if you put direct light onto it, it really overexposes it and turns really white, like in Krypton. Right. So that's the outfits. And so when they throw the lights on them, it makes them look like, you know, they're putting out extensive heat or whatever. And, the, you know, I'm, I'm watching it and I'm like, these guys walk through this alleyway where these, you know, all these soldiers are coming and stuff and they just hold their arms out and just like disintegrate people and destroy weapons I'm like why didn't they just do this to begin with <laughs> why didn't they just have a bunch of those guys that's all you need they pretty much wiped out everybody you didn't have to have George Papar train everybody like Ash did in Army of Darkness <laughs> <laughs> you can just have these guys stand there and do this and hey battles won but anyways that's me the Kelvins <laughs> what do you got man so I'm going to skip past, uh, you know, Cayman of the Lambda Zone and just say, you know, I love that single. Help, I'm slipping into the Lambda Zone. <laughs> but, uh... Helming. Instead, I'm going to move on to Sybil Danning talking about sex. <laughs> because she's like, I'll take his phaser, I'll recharge his isotopes. Then she looks at the other girl and goes, I'm talking about sex. Like, like... I don't know who wrote that or why, but, but it's it's hilarious. Yeah. It, 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 I laughed out loud at that. Is it, is it John Sales wrote this? Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's that's like the forbidden planet aspect of this movie. What is a kiss? What is right. a thruster? Oh, it takes three people on whatever planet that right. was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Does your planet have kissing? Yes, but it's done a lot lower. <laughs> no, we go straight to the good stuff on my planet. On our planet, we only have sex with Sybil Danning. <laughs> yes. Helming. Where are we at, X? If the Force in Star Wars was too difficult of a concept for you to understand... <laughs> Battle Beyond the Stars has the Varda, which is a religious belief system that the people seem to live by. I think it's the novelization of the Force. I think like it's just the Force you can read. You know, what's the first law of the Varda? Well, it's, it's this and this, and obviously I've read this until I memorize it, whereas the Force is just like, oh, that's everywhere. Now I know what to do. So I thought that was interesting. It's just, <laughs> here's, we wrote down the Force, and that's what we live by. Yeah. And to back that law up, you got the crazy blind guy that's like, we fight! I'm like, dude, you can't walk across the hall without falling <laughs> down. <laughs> when he when he runs out of his shed with a with a big flanged mace, like, well, what's that? People have guns and stuff, man. He, he didn't stop. know that weapons have changed. He should stop. He did stop. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> that's what happens see when that, you don't retreat and don't surrender, see? See that blind guy over there? Shoot him for me. <laughs> <laughs> How about these uh, these these uh, guys that uh, Sator leaves behind to kind of keep eye on the planet, and they just decide to go grab a girl and have their way with her? How great are these guys? <laughs> from a wedding, from a wedding, no less. <laughs> I've worked security. I mean, things happen. Hey, they go over to the wedding ceremony and just beam her up. It's such a weird scene. Yeah, 
Maybe that's something that that uh, that directly corresponds with one of the, uh, the the Seven Samurai things too, though. You know, it was like some raiders yeah, left rem- behind. I don't remember I do them beating anybody up in Seven Samurai. You don't remember that part? No, man. No, the spaceship hovering over. And- Always the bridesmaid, <laughs> never the bride. This time it was the bride. I think we have to talk about Doctor Hephaestus. Uh, this poor yes. guy who's just been stuck in a sauna forever until he finally just became one with it. Uh, <laughs> it's got that tube coming out the front. Like, oh, what's that for? E. And his poor assistant who can't get away <laughs> from him. We're going to have children that's here. That's, that's, that's great. That's this, great, sir. The sound of pitter patter feet. <laughs> Well, yes, that will be that'll be very exciting. I like ice cream. Yes, that's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Such a great scene. And just the fact that you got a whole cast here that's basically the the backups of Shields and Yarnell. <laughs> just <laughs> robot people everywhere standing around acting like robots and like yeah, maybe a few too many. Could have mixed it up just a little bit more. Oh, they're on planet Moomin shots. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody else notice that the the doors in Hephaestus's ship made the sound that Darth Vader makes when he's breathing? I'm telling you, man. Sound effects wise, they just they just reached in and said, "Yeah, we can use this. Nobody'll know." Yeah, no one's gonna notice this. That's fine. Anybody well, else? Okay. I've, okay. Well, one last thing to edit on. That's that's Nell counting down at the end. At, at the <laughs> yes. end, when when she's been damaged and she's like, "Well, get out of here. I'll give you 20 seconds. 19, 11." Two. Like, uh, how about just ten? Fifteen. Nine. It's like, oh boy. You know, just <laughs> and like there's a there's a minute there where I'm like, he's gonna blow this place up on two. <laughs> like, uh, and then she finally gets her wits back when she gets down to two, you know, yeah. the, the next last number. I'll show you you whatever. I mean She she blows up John Saxon's ship and he has that great like No! There's no way I can be beaten! I could not be beaten! No! It's like Did they write you one line and you just felt like you had to repeat it several times or I don't know. <laughs> it's John Saxon, man, who cares? You said it earlier. When you when you hire John <laughs> Saxon, you get John Saxon. It's exactly what you're getting, man. No That's what you said, it. and there's a lot of truth to that. I mean like 100% truth. You know why? Because the kids love John Saxon. So there you go. You can't argue with the kids, man. I try to argue with the kids. <laughs> All right, man, that's going to bring us right up to... Rating time, time. It's rating time. Well, I know if I were if I were Sador of the Malmori, I would give this movie two scotch belts. Two scotch belts, that's all? Well, you know, it's a scotch belt, man. Not only does it give you scotch any time, but it also makes it look like you're drinking pee. X, you got a rating for this show? I give this 7 out of 10 third eyes on your forehead. Yes. Oh, yes. Nestor. Nestor's, man. And and the the very bad just sock on top of your head. Not nah, kind of looks like a head. That'll work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lois was like, they... they they're head things. You can see them. Like they're, it's space cloth, man. And I'll give it forty-eight laser saws used to cut off Nestor's uh, Nestor's arm to put on John Saxon, which just has like three or four teeth on it that move really slow, and then it just turns into a bunch of LED lights. <laughs> <laughs> That's the slowest moving saw 
in the woods. It's like they bought it at a carnival. <laughs> I, I also like the uh, the thing that 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 she's using to repair the androids. It's just like a like a glue stick on the end of a, right. of a flashlight. And then, like, every time she touches it, it lights up and, like, smoke comes out of the orifice. You know, they've just got somebody on the other side, like, filling smoke in there. Oh, yeah. It kind of reminded me of uh, the Eliminators, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. With Tasha Yar over there and the Eliminators, you know, Android repair facility. <laughs> All right, folks, we'll be right back. Hi there. This is Mark Allison of the Hail Ming Power Hour. I've come to talk to you about our movie this week, Battle Beyond the Stars. When doing these reviews, we like to add little audio clips from the movie so you get a better understanding of what we're talking about. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to obtain any actual clips from the movie itself. I was able to get some alternative clips, and you know what? I I, I doubt you'll even be able to tell the difference, so we're just going to get into this here. Battle Beyond the Stars is a Roger Corman sci-fi movie based on the western The Magnificent Seven, which in turn was based on the Kurosawa movie The Seven Samurai, and maybe, just maybe, was also a little bit inspired by Star Wars. In the movie, an evil tyrant wishes to take over a planet that doesn't believe in violence. They have a leader, who used to be a warrior, named Zed. I am Lord Zed, Emperor of all I see. You have failed to complete the mission assigned to you. I will now resume command. Prepare the past for my return! His son agrees that they should fight to protect their planet, so he sets off to find mercenaries to help them. This young hero isn't quite what you would expect for a typical action hero. So you're the... Yes, nice to mole you. Meet you. Nice to meet you, mole. Don't say mole. Stop. I said mole. 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 Molly, 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 molly. Mole! Bloody mole! We're not supposed to talk about the bloody mole, but there's a bloody mole winking me in the face. I'm going to chirp it off and cut it up and make some guacamole. Oh, shut up! So he goes off in his ship that has an artificial intelligence aboard named Nell. Nell and Nell Nell is kind of sassy. Give me a break, I sure deserve it. It's time I made it to the top. First he finds a young woman who is really good with machines, but is from a peaceful world. No, Alderaan is peaceful. We have no weapons. You can't You work possibly... without another target, a military target? Then name the system. They go off to find some mercenaries. He finds a cowboy in space. Well, you can forget your troubles with those Imperial slugs. I told you I'd outrun them. Don't everybody thank me at once. Who is named Space Cowboy. Some people call me the space cowboy. Yeah. She goes to the Lambda system. Clap your hands, everybody. And everybody clap your hand. We Lambda, 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 and Omega Moon. And finds a gung ho lizard man. Death is a primitive concept. I prefer to think of them as battling evil in another dimension. 
the young hero Shad then gets taken aboard another alien ship. It's an all-white environment with some strange aliens with great powers. Why have you brought me here? Show yourselves. The Cisco has returned to us. He arrives with questions. Next they find a mercenary who sells out for the cheapest price ever. And finally they find a warrior princess. A mighty princess forged in the heat of battle. With kind of a sci-fi flavor. Now, in all seriousness, I do think this is one of Roger Corman's better works. It's one of my earliest introductions into cheesy sci-fi fun. So I'd recommend to just go ahead and suspend your disbelief, sit down, and enjoy the movie. Thanks for listening. Live from the Helming Studios in Burbank, California, here's Jeremy. Thank you, Ed. And now, did you know, from the Hell Ming Power Hour, with tonight's special guest, Ed McMahon. Did you know, this film, Battle Beyond the Stars, is a futuristic remake of Seven Samurai, and its Hollywood remake, The Magnificent Seven. Did you know, future director James Cameron and future producer Gail Ann Hurd met on this film and decided they wanted to work together. The deal was that Cameron would direct and Heard would produce. This would lead up to making The Terminator in 84, their marriage in 85, before they did Aliens in 86, and their divorce to both marriage and creative partnership during the making of The Abyss in 89. Did you know I give this film three and a half stars? Yes, yes, yes. Did you know for Jewish viewers of this movie, there are some inside jokes for example, the name of Robert Vaughn's character, Gelt, translates in Yiddish into gold or money, the written language which appears on Maomori screens in Hebrew. Did you know this is considered to be the first major theatrical film to be scored by James Horner, and his breakthrough into the sci-fi adventure blockbusters he would become known for in the 80s and 90s? Did you know... I named my talent show Star Search after this terrific movie. Hello! Did you know the natives of Akir are known as the Akira? And this is no doubt a tribute to legendary director Akira Kurosawa, whose film Seven Samurai in 54 served as the inspiration for this film. Did you know actress and comedian Kathy Griffin is seen in an early shot as an alien extra Reacting to the spaceship landing. You've been listening to Did You Know with Ed McMahon on the Hell Ming Power Hour. Hey All right, folks, that's going to do it for another episode. I say you take the time and go check this movie out. Yes, it's low budget. Yes, it's kind of a hokey ripoff of several different things, but this movie is fun. It moves fast. Like I said, 10 minutes in, you know the story. You know what's going to happen, and it just moves really fast. 
I love this movie. I grew up watching it so many times on TV. So it was great HBO fodder back in the day. What say you, Danny? Man, I mean, you can't go wrong with this this uh, template. You know, with the community in peril, going off to get some warriors to fight the battle. It's it's always it always makes it fun. And I think, like I said, there's a lot to poke fun at in this movie. But at the same time. They didn't have a whole lot to work with, and I think they did a great job for as much as they tackled. They tackled lots right. of aliens. They tackled lots of scenes. They tackled star battles. All those things take a lot of money to make done right, and I, I think they did a good job. And X even said it earlier. I mean, the special effects, this is the first job for James Cameron to come on and do the special effects, which most people, when they talk about this movie, that's one of the high credits they give it is, you know, those space effects are, are really decent. But I read a thing where a lot of the like scenery stuff or like walls was basically empty McDonald's containers that he just spray painted and stuck up. So we're talking low budget, folks. What do you think about it, Jeff? Oh, I say definitely watch it. Um, if nothing else, this will make a great double feature with three amigos. Absolutely, Ooh. the same same story, right? You meet Cochise, and by the end, <laughs> you're <Your> friends. friends. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and again, man, it's been an absolute blast having X on the, with us. I'm going to give him a, a chance to kind of tell you folks about his show. Where can we find you at and all that good stuff, Jeff? Uh, we currently have two shows. You can find us on the Legion Podcast Network. Um, first, mm-hmm. our flagship show, I guess, is Kiss the Goat, which is all about devil movies from the 1950s up till now. And our new show is called The Food Chain, which is about animal attack movies. Um, Our next episode, I'm sure by the time this show comes out, you'll be able to find it, but the latest episode will be um, Grizzly, which we watched with Bo Ransdell. So, yeah, so check us out. It's a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, do that. Absolutely. I mean, Kiss Kiss the Goat was one of the first Legion shows that I listened to outside of uh, Podcast Under the Stairs, so it's always a fun show, man. You you can tell you guys just have a blast with that. And how can you not with the movies you're covering? I mean, it's it's so you know so absurd. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but a ridiculous, lot of fun. So yeah. And Food Chain, I, I'm already a fan. I, I, you know, I've already listened to the few episodes that you've got out, just getting things going, and and looking forward to actually getting a chance to be on that one because I'm a fan of those movies as well. The 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 animals run amok stuff are just '70s gold. So uh, yeah, and uh, I actually kind of threw my hat in the into the fight for uh, uh, Grizzly actually, and uh, I got denied. And you got Bo Ransdale. So I would complain, but, you know, he's kind of the boss. So <laughs> What Bo wants, Bo gets. <laughs> but I tell you, I, I think I got a better movie. So I, I'm excited about that. We won't reveal what that is yet. You'll just have to check it out, folks. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. And, you know, that's how it goes with Bo more often than not. You know, he, he drops his fist on the, on the table and he's like, this is the one I want. And I'm in right. charge. So I'm going to get it. Jeff, again, we appreciate you coming on, buddy. It has been absolutely fantastic to have you on the show. It's been a long time coming, man. It has. Thank you all. It's been a blast. And if there's nothing else, I'm Rick. I'm Danny. And that's X. I'm X. He didn't know it was coming, man. I I know, I know. We need to let people know that's coming. No, no, we don't. It's the magic. (laughs) Let the magic happen. We're like Deep Purple here. We're just ad-libbing it as we go. We're not anything like Deep Purple. I'll tell you that right now. All right, that's it for us, folks, and we'll see you soon. Au revoir. That's the wrong sound, but I'll fix it.
Hail me. <laughs> Hello, everybody. There are people you trust. Friends, family, household pets, village elders. All these people you can bank on to give you good advice. But when it comes down to it, sometimes when you have an enemy at the gate, what you need is strangers. Go beg some strangers to help you out, and maybe they'll take pity on you. And you won't care what happens to them, because they're strangers. So, remember, when it comes time to do battle, go get yourself some strangers. Make sure they look tough, and make sure there's a cowboy. Alright everybody, that's it for me. And remember, actions speak louder than catchphrases. Good night everybody. Members of the audience will receive the following Classic Curves by Dittos, The Pants for Feel Good Company A gift certificate from Maruchan Ramen Noodles Rice-a-roni All guests receive a copy of the El Ming Home Game Thanks to the creative minds and special appearances of Mark Allison, Jeremy Finch, and Jacob Kennedy. Hell Bing is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. Check out all the great shows at legionpodcast.com. Hell Bing is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Legion Podcast. This is Dan Pardo saying good night.